It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die, the record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. You are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now. JT, the man to miss the legend. Here's JT the Brick. All right, everybody. We continue on hour number three. We just added Eric Edholm from NFL.com. Really good guest. Along with Vinny Bonsignor this hour. So, uh, what we've been telling you, we're delivering for you every day. One to two NFL draft insiders coming up. We get two good ones coming up here. And there's a lot of visits going on here in Vegas. As we know, Ian Rappaport reported Hendon Hooker, who is visiting the Lions today, will spend the later part of the week on visits with the Bucks and the Raiders. Both interesting potential landing spots. So we're all aware of that today. We know that. Also, the Bucks are hosting Will Levis today. That's the other quarterback that everybody's talking about. The Raiders are very active with these visits. I'm good with that. That's really the style of what Josh McDaniels is all about as a coach. He wants to sit down with all the quarterbacks, even though he's not going to get any of them or might get one. He wants to know these guys because he's going to compete against the guys. Think of all the years that Tom Brady was the starter. He was going absolutely nowhere, but they brought in quarterbacks to look at because Josh McDaniels would look at him at the Combine. They'd have a visit with them. They'd go watch their pro day. It only helped Josh McDaniels with the success and the knowledge that he brought back to the New England Patriots. So I'm cool with all this. They have a lot of first-round guys coming through for visits, and they might get multiple first-round picks. If they play their cards right, they can do that. They can get a late first-round pick. They can trade back. What happens if the Raiders trade back from 7 to 14, 15, 16, and then jump into the first round and give up two seconds to get – Maybe the 24th pick in the draft. I like those type of moves. I really do. I don't like moving up a lot unless you got the player that you have to have. And maybe that's a quarterback. Could it be Anthony Richardson? His stock is flying. If you watched him play at Florida, he made a lot of mistakes, but his skill set's amazing outside the pocket. If you took off a blindfold and you put in a Florida uniform, Lamar Jackson running outside the pocket and making a throw of 30 yards and sprinting, right? And then you put... A guy like, uh, and a great guy like Anthony Richardson, talent wise, in the same uniform, you'd say, who's the guy who's much bigger than the first guy who went? Well, that'd be Anthony Richardson, much bigger, but just as fast and mobile as Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson won the Heisman Trophy because he could throw the ball. Anthony Richardson wasn't a Heisman Trophy candidate to that degree. He just doesn't have the skill set and the accuracy at the quarterback position to be accurate. That's very important. You can't break in someone brand new with Devontae Adams. Unless it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, possibly. And that's going to take some time to develop. So the quarterback is priority number one for everybody to talk about in the NFL. When it comes out to mock drafts, I have NFL channel on NFL Network. It's Mock Draft Live. And it's every day, and I press record, and I watch it. And I have a pad and pen out. And right now it says they're having their draft, their mock draft, and Daniel Jeremiah has the Colts at number four taking Anthony Richardson 
in Rhett Lewis's mock draft. We're going to have Rhett on the show next week. We just confirmed that through the Raiders. So I'm watching the B-roll here of Richardson throw a couple of bombs, and the balls are perfect. Those are the perfect plays. Normally they don't show you the bad plays. But it looks like Richardson's going to go top four, and the Colts, if they like him, can park him and develop him and try to get it right there. The Raiders have Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer, so they don't have to develop anybody now. They can go with those two guys. Hopefully Jimmy Garoppolo plays all the games, and if he goes down at any point for a short period of time, Brian Hoyer can come in and run the offense of Josh McDaniels. He is an expert on that, and there's been articles written about Brian Hoyer and his expertise on defense and how he adjusted and helped the defensive coaches out in New England with helping out. I thought that was interesting about Hoyer, too. I'll try to find that article I read again on how he was really a positive part of the defensive game plan and what happened with New England. And what I found refreshing about that is Lamar Jackson didn't go with his team to play Cincinnati. He wasn't going to play. And Brian Hoyer didn't play. He was a backup. But Brian Hoyer helped his team win a Super Bowl with his knowledge and what he passed over to the defense. And Lamar Jackson didn't even go to Cincinnati to try to help out his backup quarterback. And I thought that was immature and a terrible decision from him. As I let off the show earlier, Saquon Barkley won't sign his franchise tag before the Giants have their offseason program. So Vinny's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs. Is he going to hold out? Is he going to want a contract? No idea. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. But there are players now. The franchise tag is a big one. It's $10 bucks. So if Josh Jacobs has to play on the franchise tag, it's good money. But clearly for his family, he wants something locked down long-term to protect him if he has an injury. And you hear the term a lot now, catastrophic injury. What is that? Well, it's an injury where you'll never play again, right? Uh, We've had guys, Napoleon McCallum have one of those, great friend of mine, legendary Raider, would have even had a longer career. We've seen the catastrophic injuries. Joe Theismann had one. When Lawrence Taylor took him out, it could happen. So these guys want to get paid, and I understand why. So there's a lot of players that are visiting the Raiders over the last couple of days, and there's going to be more to come. And as Chris and West Oakland opened up the show with, I thought it was intriguing now that maybe one of the best linebackers in all of football, not only now the last couple of years, Devin White of the Buccaneers wants a trade. And he requested a trade yesterday. One of the sources told ESPN that White has grown frustrated with the team and fed up. The source did not provide specifics on the root of that. I'll give you the specifics. He wants more money. The Bucs don't want to trade him. Adam Schefter reported, but White wants to be traded because he's coming up on his fifth-year option worth $11.7 million, and the team already picked it up. Remember, the Raiders didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' option. He played through that fifth year and just got tagged. Same thing could happen here. Same thing could happen here as they'll make him play through this year and tag him. A new multi-year contract for White was the next step, and the expectations was he was going to be a core member of the defense for years to come, the fifth pick in the 2019 NFL draft. So I'm not stirring the pot and saying that the Raiders are going to get him. But can you imagine if the Raiders could trade for White at linebacker? He got drafted in 2019. It's 2023. How great would it be for him to be in in the prime of his career? The Raiders need to find linebackers like that, linebackers that come into the building, and you just look at them, and Perryman did that. Give Denzel Perryman, put some respect on his name. Put some respect on his name. He came here and he played well when he was healthy. That's the type of player that you want, who could come in and make all the plays and do it great at a very high level. 
Eric Edholm, kind enough to join us. Wow, nice that he got back to us today that we can get him on. Eric, thanks for joining us on the Raiders flagship. I want to begin where you stand on the quarterbacks. I was just talking about Anthony Richardson. I think a lot of teams are looking to reach for quarterback talent that would be maybe mid-first-round guys, and I don't like to do that. How do you feel about it? I mean, honestly, I, I, I think Richardson's talent is befitting of a pick that high. His experience is not, typically. But we've obviously seen some inexperienced guys. You know, Mitch Trubisky had 13 starts, and Cam Newton had, you know, 270 college throws or whatever it was. You know, we, we've seen some small sample size in the past. Kyler Murray was and a half starter, what have you. But, you know, Richardson clearly has some work to do. Levis took a step back in, in 2022. I get the argument that he comes with some risk, but he's tough. So is Richardson. They both have the, the, the physical skill set that really gets you excited. I mean, Will Levis is a really good athlete. I don't know if people saw that last year because of the, the, the shoulder. Uh, he had an ankle or a foot, I forgetting right this moment but you know another you know, lower body and an upper body injury that took his running game away and i don't know i mean i think there's a path to success for both but i hear you on the on the reach part you know especially with next year you're gonna lurking around the corner drake may caleb williams etc you know there's, there's more risk in this group eric at home is our guest you know i just can't get Jamarcus russell out of my head because i knew he was going number one his film was unbelievable. His bowl game was better than anything Richardson ever done. And his personal workout in pro day was legendary. Scouts still talk about it today. And he was a disaster. And if he didn't go number one, 10 teams were going to take him number two. Now I know that C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to flip-flop. A lot of rumors now because Arizona's got number three and maybe they trade out of it for a quarterback-hungry team. So do you think Stroud or Bryce... Young could be there at number three, or both of them going one-two, either way you have it. I will not close the door on that possibility. I really won't, because, mm. you know, Houston has brought in Tyree Wilson. They brought in Will Anderson, which, you know, okay. I mean, look, you say they're doing their due diligence, and they probably are, right? But I think there's, because they have the number 12 pick and about a zillion picks after that, I mean, they're, you know, they're well stocked on draft choices. They don't need to make 12 selections. They can, they can use some of these as ammunition, dip in the next year if they have to, right? But there's a, there's a way to do it where if Carolina takes your preferred choice at quarterback, you're your number one guy, then you say, and it does feel like there's a little bit of a dance going on right now between Carolina and Houston. I think there is some posturing happening right now. But, you know, you just say, all right, we're going to take Will Anderson. We're not going to take our, you know, our second best choice that we don't love. And we'll try to trade up from 12 to get maybe somebody, if they have a similar grade on the third quarterback or, you know, not a big drop off or something like that. Maybe you can move back up to the six with Detroit or something like that. So, there are ways to do it. I don't know if that's outthinking yourself or getting too cute. Maybe it is. But if you're not completely sold on a quarterback at number two, then don't do it. You know, I mean, if you think that Will Anderson could be a star and you're not 100% sure on this quarterback, who's available for you, whoever it is, they, they could take that route. I'm not, I'm not certain yet, but it's out there as a possibility. Eric Edholm is our guest, NFL.com. Oh, where do you stand with Hooker, the quarterback, out of Tennessee? Because, again, I think if he was third round 
or late second round, the whole world would line up for him, but everybody's quarterback crazy. I don't think he's going to be there and available after 20, maybe 25. So another team would jump into the first round or trade out of that pick for another team coming in here. I think he could be the X factor. He could end up being as good as Levis and Richardson, and you don't have to trade up into the top four or five. I mean, it, you know, it's possible, right? I think, you know, he's got some hurdles he's got to overcome. He's a 25-year-old quarterback. Levis is 24. Richardson's age is a big selling point. He's 21, right? So there's so much more growth there. But it begs the question, and I don't know the answer to this. Okay? I think different people have different philosophies on it. But for an older quarterback like that, are you drafting him in the first round because you think you have to get him that high? Somebody else is going to trade up and get him? Okay, if that's the, the deal and you like him, fine. But if you're just trading up to the back end, let's say Philly at 30 or I don't know, the Kansas City would trade the, <laughs> the, with the draft in Kansas City. They may want to – I don't know what kind of reception they'd get. But you get the idea. Trading back into the end of round one, taking the Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar, late first pick. So you get the fifth-year option. That's, that's the, the other logic there. But for, for a 25-year-old quarterback, does that mean as much? Because mm-hmm. most quarterbacks kind of hit their – you know, they're peaked pretty soon here, so I don't know. I mean, obviously we've seen, you know, Smith thrive at 32 and other guys right. have done that, but I don't know. But maybe there could be a team that misses out on the top four or doesn't want to trade up and says, we think Hooker, even with the ACL, the age, the offense that won't translate to what we're running, maybe if in a year or two he could really be something. Who was aggressive enough to show their cards at the NFL draft and say, we're going to trade up with Arizona and give up not only our first-round pick, but next year's first-round pick to Arizona so we can get to number three to go get Richardson. And that's an, another follow-up here, Eric, is you know the team that trades up from number to number three, if they want to get Richardson or Levis, it could be number four, Indy trading up to three. Do you think the Raiders, even though the Raiders' defense needs to be rebuilt, that Josh McDaniels might want to bite with Dave Ziegler and go up to number three and move up to do it there? I think the trade possibilities are fascinating to me because there's only a few dance partners. Right. Dave Ziegler and, and Monty Austin Ford work together. You know, I mean, they, they have a history together. It would be easy to, you know, in, in, envision a deal coming together that way. And, you know, when the Garoppolo signing happened, I think everybody – that, okay, they got their quarterback, but we know his injury history. You know, we know how the deal was structured. It was three years, but basically one year, you know. So uh, he's a bridge quarterback, and that's kind of how I'm sure Jimmy views it as, hey, I'm going to try to fight off whoever's breathing down my neck, and we know how he did in San Francisco. But, yeah, I think they're in the quarterback market. I think there are more teams out there that have shown strong interest. Even the Cardinals, I mean, the Cardinals, the, the, the Atlanta Falcons have brought in every top quarterback. So, do I think they're going that way? No, but, you know, faced with the decision on the clock. So, yeah, keep an eye on the Titans, too. You know, they we haven't really heard much on Ryan Tannehill's mm-hmm. future. He was banged up last year. I could see, you know, after last year dealing away A.J. Brown, maybe a, <laughs> win back some fans a little bit with a, a bold move up for a quarterback. Eric Edholm, take a look at his NFL.com. I'm really leaning on it. He has his top 100 prospects, 2.0, and it's not the order of his draft picks. He's just telling you who he has ranked number one to 100. Will Anderson Jr., the Alabama edge rusher. Why am I hearing so much lately and seeing on mock drafts everybody talking about Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher of Texas Tech? Tell me a little bit more about him. 
Yeah, I mean, he's an exciting player. I mean, it, it, the scouts knew, knew all about him before the season. I mean, it wasn't really, you know, we're not used to hearing Texas Tech being mentioned as, as a, a defensive factor. But you're talking about a kid who's almost six foot six, you know, huge 36 inch arms almost, 270 pounds, got some explosion in his game. He's a better physical specimen than Will Anderson, right? I mean, I don't know if he's a better athlete because we didn't get to see him test, but, um, you know, his. His final season was cut short by injury. I know his sack totals aren't, like, eye-popping in college. I think he had 17 or 18, I want to say, over four years. But, you know, his first couple years he was a reserve. The last two years he played really well. And he was he was dominating. I think had he finished the year healthy, there might be a little bit more buzz on him. But he keeps his pad level down and, and just adds a couple more tricks to his bag. He could really be special. I think he's – He's still not quite there yet. There's still room for some growth, I think, for him to get mm-hmm. even better. So he'll be a player that'll be, I think, like Trayvon Walker last year. Look good, but, you know, there's there's more there. Uh, last one on a player perspective, Devin Witherspoon or Christian mm-hmm. Gonzalez. Uh, what's the difference between those two? I think those are two corners that could be gone in the top ten. Yeah, big difference is size. I mean, Christian Gonzalez passes the eye test. I mean, he's just, how you draw it up, six foot two, longer corner. Um, has some hitting ability. I mean, he's not he's not a finesse player, but, you know, he is, when you compare him to Witherspoon, who plays like a junkyard dog, I mean, it can easily feel that way. Now, Witherspoon is 5'11", 183, maybe, I want to say. And there was this whole question about his speed because there, you know, there were some questions on tape. Could he, you know, get stacked by fast receivers and, you know, maybe get muscled out by the, you know, DK Metcalf of the world too at that size. But he did run the other day in the four fours. That was good. That was huge for him. So it gives him a chance to be cornerback one. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Gonzalez, he just has that. The, the physical edge right now, it's just so exciting to watch Witherspoon play. I mean, he plays like an animal. I just suspect that size will will limit him in, in some ways because he's not blazing fast like a, like a Denzel Ward or somebody like that. Eric, great work. I really count on this, man. Fantastic. I love your work when Thank it comes you. to NFL.com and the prospects and the draft coming up here. We look forward to having you on again, maybe right before or right after, especially after the recap with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, fun chatting with you. All right, see ya. Thank you, Eric. Eric Edholm, you can find him at Eric underscore E-D-H-O-L-M. Part of the NFL draft team at NFL.com, NFL Media. And they do deep dive, man. I tell everybody this. If you love the mock draft as much as most of us do, just go to NFL.com. You might not like everything about NFL.com. They do a brilliant job with the draft. They have an icon you click on draft. And then they have about six or seven mock drafts. And they're always updated. What I like about it, it's not just the draft that you look at, a mock draft, and say, all right, they're done. They have the 2.0. They have the 3.0. They keep moving around, and they give you more. And then they have the 100 top prospects from Daniel Jeremiah. And then they have position breakdowns. Bucky Brooks, who also contracts with the Raiders, former player, he jumps in and he puts in the five best players at every position. I'm looking at it right now on NFL Network. So he has the five best players at every position. So that's important to me. Because I want to know who the five best players are. I don't want to know the top 20 in every position. I have no interest. I don't care about that. I don't, know, I don't care who the 18th best you know, offensive tackle is. I want to know who the top five are in case the Raiders have a chance to have an impact player that come in. 
So Bucky's got his new draft that is up here, and Bucky's been pretty consistent on the Raiders pick all along. So at number five, Bucky has Jalen Carter, and Jalen Carter's going to go to Seattle. That'd be great for Seattle to get Jalen Carter at five. And then at number six, he has Devin Weatherspoon, the cornerback, going to Detroit. And then right after that, he has Christian Gonzalez, the Raiders at number seven, taking the Oregon corner. And that's who I have. And I don't see, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to change my mind much. Obviously, Witherspoon or Gonzalez is my pick. I think one of the two will be available at seven. I'd be shocked if they were both gone. They can't be gone. The quarterbacks are going to go first, and then Carter. And then the corners are going to go before the top ten. And then Peter Skoransky, who's from Northwestern, the great offensive tackle who can also play inside, but he's a tackle. If the Raiders took him, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be very surprised. And then after that, we're going to see a bunch of teams trade up and trade back. The other name that's concerning to me, Bucky has him going 11, Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State, the offensive tackle. And I've been hearing a lot of buzz around other mock drafts that the Raiders are interested in him from his pro day at Ohio State. So we'll see. I like the cornerback. If you'd like to change my mind here in the next couple of days, please do. I just have watched this team for over two decades, and they really struggle at cornerback. Unless it's a player like Rod Woodson or one of my favorite players of all time, you know, Charles Woodson, Charles and Rod, right? They both had a combination of safety and corner. They both came in and played corner, and then when they got older, they were elite safeties. I believe that Rod Woodson is one of the top 25 players ever. In any position combined, they have the top 75, they have the top 100. Rod Woodson, former Raider, played uh, one year with the Niners, the Steelers, he was a legend, along with Baltimore on one of the greatest defense, if not top two or three defense of all time. Rod Woodson is the type of player you want when he came out of Purdue. Come on. When he came out of Purdue, no one thought he was going to be the next Mel Blunt, and he might have been better. Might have been better. And Mel Blunt's a Hall of Famer, and that's hard to say. Rod Woodson was elite. And when the Raiders got him at the end of his career, he played at a high level in a championship game in a Super Bowl. Hell of a player. Raiders need to secure a defensive stud who can guard a receiver one-on-one and trail that receiver into the dead soft zone over the middle of the field that was absent under Patrick Graham in year one. No leaving. No leaving anyone. (laughs) You got a corner guarding the number one receiver. You just ride with the guy. If the guy takes off, you don't leave him for someone else. You don't leave him for a safety. No, you, you cover that guy. And Witherspoon and Gonzalez can do that. Sticky coverage, good size, and they can hit. Those are the two guys that I'm targeting. And if it's not them two, I'd be very, 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 very interested to hear what you have. Coming up next, Vinny Monsignor will join us. Looking forward to talking to Vinny as we continue here. We are brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo, along with the Black Hole. When I mention the Black Hole, I can, I can mention Modelo and our friends at Corona. And the Modelo fighting spirit is a proud partner of our show for years. And we love the fighting spirit of Modelo. So that's where I stand as we continue on. JT, as we are rolling on, a nice weekly interview with Vinny Bonsignor. We'll get out a lot out of Vinny coming up next. Now back to the JT The Brick Show, and it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, sponsored by Dos Caras Tequila, and presented by the Realty One Group. Uh, for me, it starts with he's very smart. 
He's very smart. Taught me the game of football basically in the NFL. Uh, but he cares too about the game. Like he cares about winning. You could really tell just talking to him that winning is important to him. And I wouldn't say that's true about everyone in the NFL. So when you do get an opportunity like that, I mean, it's hard to pick up. Jimmy G, when he was talking about Josh McDaniels and what he learned from him, JT, back with you. Vinny Bonsignor's weekly appearance. As he's always here, it's always one of our great conversations we have all week. And, and Vinny, before I get to your latest column, I like what Kyle Shanahan said and what the Niners say about Jimmy G. They can't find him. Like, they, when are you going to talk to Jimmy? Well, we got to bump into him. It seems like this guy is really cool and quiet and off the grid. Has there been any news about him since his introductory press conference, throwing in the park and hanging out with his teammates? Has he been pretty stealth since he signed with the Raiders? Yeah, uh, nothing. Um, now, keep in mind, uh, the Raiders offseason program starts uh, on Monday, April 17th. So uh, I would expect um, there to be more uh, Jimmy G sightings uh, here in the Las Vegas, Henderson, Henderson area as players start making their way into the building and start getting really prepared uh, for, for next season. But, but yeah, that is, that is true. And I know I think some people took that the wrong way. Uh, we, you know, uh, Kyle brought that up during the, uh, during the owners' meetings in, in, in Arizona recently, and everyone thought it was sort of a slight, but it was, it's the truth. I mean, even with teammates, he kind of just, you know, uh, fades into oblivion a little bit in a good way, not a bad way at all, uh, and does his own thing during the, during the off season. And you don't hear too much from him and, and players have, you know, uh, they, they've joked about, uh, how he doesn't, you know, answer text messages or even maybe have a phone for that matter, uh, or, or pay attention a, a lot to it. So he does his, his thing during the off season and he comes back, uh, ready to play in OTAs and, and training camp and during the season. Vinny Bonsignor, so your column today on Josh Jacobs, what type of feedback are you getting for it? Because we're, we're similar to what's happening with Saquon Barkley, who I talked about for you. He's not going to sign his tender before their OTAs here. I don't know what's going on with Josh Jacobs. I understand the franchise tag, and from all along, we've been hearing that they want to try to work on some type of deal long term. Yeah, and uh, as, as I wrote, it's kind of a difficult time to be a, uh, a running back uh, in the NFL uh, these days, and you know, it's nothing against Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley uh, or, or any you know uh, of the great young running backs uh, in the NFL. It's just that <clears throat> the way the NBA, the, the way the NFL, uh, or the direction that the NFL is heading right now, it it, it just seems to be a bit of an aversion to giving out uh, big time second second contracts uh, to running backs, and you know, so I, I wouldn't expect. You know, uh, a big, huge contract for for, for Josh Jacobs uh, moving forward, but there has to be some. I would imagine that there's some sort of middle ground that they can find uh, that 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 satisfies sort of what the Raiders' thinking is in that at, with that position, and and maybe some short-term goals. You know, for for Josh Jacobs, but um, it, it's it's you know it's kind of unfortunate because JT. I remember growing up, and and when you're talking about NFL running backs. Teams built their teams around, uh, you know, yeah. their offenses around running backs. Eric Dickerson, Walter Payton, Earl Campbell, Tony Dorsett. You know, those players, running backs were synonymous with their teams. They were the face of their franchise. That just isn't the case uh, anymore. There's a volatile aspect uh, to running the, the position of running back. Teams are, are starting to learn more and more that you can get it done uh, through a committee or through a couple of backs rather than one uh, major back. Um, and, and when you start talking about the physical toll that the position takes and, and the likelihood that, you know, if you sign someone into, somebody to a second big contract, uh, what's the likelihood that, that you're going to be able to uh, get 
what you're putting into that position and into that running back, you know, as they, as they get a little bit older and more mileage starts uh, lining up. So those are the issues when it comes to running backs. And it's unfortunate for Josh because in many ways, and, and Mark Davis told us this at the owners meeting, he's the heart and soul of this team, part of the heart and soul of this team. Absolutely. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. Uh, Vinny, I'm also interested in him having another big year. I think the whole way this works and clicks is how many big games did Josh have last year? where he did everything he could, 140, 150 yards. Raiders were in all those games other than one. They're in all of them, and a play here or there on defense or offense ends the game. Without him, and if he's running for 80 or 90, which he kind of was doing in the past, then maybe the Raiders are losing by double digits, or they aren't in some of those games. So my theory is he's got to do exactly what he did last year, and why wouldn't they run the same plays and give him that workload and then Jimmy G could work off the play action with all the offensive weapons that he has. But it's got to be predicated. And I didn't see that coming last year. I've admitted that many times on the show. I did not think that Josh Jacobs would be the workhorse that he ended up being. Now I'm sold. Make him be the workhorse again. Yeah, um, there's one thing that I am curious about uh, is... You know, at some point you got to get Zamir White uh, on the field. You drafted him for a reason. Uh, there's also Britton Brown. You drafted him uh, for a reason. So, uh, do we start seeing a little bit of a transition? I'm not saying less of utilizing the running back uh, and the running game because I think it's extremely important to Jimmy G's success and the Raiders' offensive success is a sound running game. Uh, but less of doing it with one guy and more of doing it with uh, a collection uh, of players. So that's the one thing um, that, that I'm keeping an eye on is what's the usage of Josh Jacobs going to look like moving forward. Is it going to be the same that we saw last year? I have some, um, you know, just sort of reasons to think that it might not look the same exact, although the running game could, could produce the same, the same type of numbers. It's just going to be done with multiple players rather than one player. Either way, I think the running game is going to be a huge part of uh, and kind of the backbone of this Raiders offense. So, Vinny, I'm sold on Witherspoon or Gonzalez. That's my choice. I'll make it official. That doesn't matter to anybody but me. But I, I like the corner. I like the corner first, defensive tackle second. If it's defensive tackle, corner second. I just don't think the quality of corner will be there. After the sixth, seventh, eighth pick in the draft, I think they got to stay there and get the corner. And then from what I'm hearing and looking at all these mock drafts, you can get quality defensive tackles and another pass rusher if they want to go down that road. But I don't think the cornerback market's that strong after those two. Yeah, uh, although uh, there's, there's one other player that I would throw into that mix, especially for the Raiders' purposes, and that's Joey Porter Jr. Um, you know, and, and he's, he's, a, he's a, a, a big physical press corner uh, type player that, that kind of fits with what Patrick Graham uh, likes to do. He and Witherspoon, I think, sort of embody kind of what the Raiders are looking for at that position, um, you know, especially a dominant number one cornerback that can play man-to-man coverage uh, at the line of scrimmage, be physical at the line of scrimmage. So it would be interesting to see if, um, and the Lions are going to play kind of big into this because, you know, they traded away their starting uh, cornerback yesterday, which opens the door for them to take a cornerback at number six right ahead of the Raiders, and which one do they prefer? So it'll be interesting to me, let's just say they take Witherspoon, uh, who I think aligns more uh, with the Raiders than Gonzalez. And that 
now the Raiders have a decision to make, depending on who's still available. I mean, Tyree Wilson could still be available at that at that spot. There's a path that I've kind of you know uh, sort of contemplated where Will Anderson is there mm-hmm. at number seven for the Raiders. Um, the, some things would have to happen. A team trades up to the Arizona Cardinals and takes a quarterback. Uh, the Colts take a quarterback. Maybe the Seattle Seahawks fall in love with Jalen Carter. They have multiple first-round picks, multiple second-round picks. Maybe they can mitigate, mitigate the 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 um, you know the concern. Of, of a Jalen Carter because they have so many other uh, picks that even if that doesn't work out, they have other picks uh, to soften that blow. Um, and he goes five, let's say, and then Witherspoon goes six. Is Will Anderson sitting there for the Raiders at number seven? It's kind of interesting to think about that. But let's say Wilson and uh, and or, or and Anderson aren't there, and neither is Witherspoon. Do they then think about training back uh, to to and you know maybe even to well maybe to try to secure. A Joey Porter further down in the draft, but also get some assets. Because I don't know if Porter is, is is the guy at number seven, but he could be the guy at number eleven or number twelve, and the Raiders can pick up uh, some other some other draft capital, more more draft capital, and have a guy that fits into their system maybe better than Gonzalez does. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. That's a great point because there could be chaos early. Could be four quarterbacks in a row, which I don't believe is right, but that could be it. Yep. And then all of a sudden the Raiders are right there with two or three choices of elite defensive players. You know, Vinny, I'm still struggling with this in a good way. I'm, I'm looking at three new starters on defense. I gave you the corner. Uh, you mentioned another player. Then you got to expect in the second or third round they get two more. They got a pencil in to start at that position when they come in. Not be a backup, not be a developmental guy. And if they are, say they're not ready to start day one, but they're really good players. What makes you believe Patrick Graham with new faces up and down can run the scheme better? Because... I don't want to hear the excuse that they still don't have enough good players to run his ideal perfect scheme. Whatever he has in the toolbox, the quality of the player, wherever they get drafted, plus the free agents who came in, it's go time. We got to see the system. We got to see the more elaborate scheme of the smarter, faster, explosive player on defense. Yeah, um, and it's, 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 we got to at least see progress, you know, like genuine progress. Young players. Uh, that that are coming in here and playing well and a system that seems to be working. It doesn't have to be perfect, especially early on. The NFL season is an extremely long season. Um, you know, there's 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 going to be growing pains because it will be a young defense, not only with the players that they're adding in the draft, but also they're counting on some young players that are still young players, uh, like a Nate Hobbs, like a Divine Diablo, like a Trayvon Merrick. You know, making taking steps forward. So any way you cut it. There's going to be a, 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 a large youthfulness uh, to this team or a good sense of uh, youthfulness to this team. So making progress and, and getting guys pointed in the right direction and being um, you know, a, a dependable defense and as they build toward being a great defense, because I don't see that it's going to turn into a great defense overnight or even in one draft or one offseason. I think that's going to take a couple of offseasons for that to happen. But you can see progress. You should be able to see progress. Uh, and I think it's incumbent on Patrick Graham and the defense uh, to show that. But in the meantime, and I think part of the Raiders' philosophy uh, this offseason is, is improving the efficiency of the offense, making sure that the offense – uh, can can score enough points to overcome the growing pains and the con- continued development of this defense, and uh, that's why uh, Jacoby Myers and a, and a Jimmy Garoppolo and bringing back a Josh Jacobs and uh, you know obviously having a Devonte Adams and and uh, continuing the continuity of this offensive line. I do expect them to add uh, more to the offensive line uh, through the draft. 
but bringing everybody back that they had last year is kind of a sign that they're that they're okay with where they are right now uh, to, to, to put together a, a competent offensive line that kind of overachieved a little bit last year. But I think a year under their belt together is certainly going to help, if, if, even if their faces are exactly the same. I don't expect that to be the case, but even if it is, they feel good about that. So, uh, But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, you have to start seeing this defense really start to develop and really start to grow and really to start to show some progress. And I think we will. Um, I think we will, uh, and, and, and I don't know what that's going to look like numbers-wise, uh, but, but, but if they could get to even just 19 or 20 uh, in terms of points allowed, uh, that's a big step forward for that defense. All right, what did you think of the Lakers last night? That was a bad game. Minnesota gave them a lot of chances to get back into that game late, and Anthony Davis with the three-point shooting foul at the end forced that game to go to overtime. As a Laker fan, someone who covered the Lakers, they got a big break there, and now they have to go into Memphis, and those Memphis kids love to trash talk. They act like they've won four rings like the Warriors. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I think the, the, the one, if you're looking at last night optimistically, the Lakers played a terrible game and still won a playoff game, figured out a way to, to still survive. Um, if they play like that, if they continue to play like that, it's going to be a short uh, playoff for them. But I don't expect them to play uh, like that. I, I, I do think the four days off that they're going to get um, is going to help. And, and I, I look at, you know, this is a team that, that you know, since basically the trade deadline, uh, they've had the best record in the Western Conference and one of the best records in the NBA. I'm going to kind of fall back to that uh, bigger sample size than, than what happened last night. And again, to play as poorly as they did and still win a quote-unquote playoff game, uh, that, that probably bodes well because I don't expect them to play that bad again. All right, Vinny, we got a lot of tequila drinkers and connoisseurs here. Tell us about your tequila. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. And, uh, and what, way to en- what better way to enjoy uh, the NBA playoffs, which are, are kicking off this weekend, uh, than, than with Dos Cotas, uh tequila. Uh, and you can get it all over uh, Las Vegas. It's, it's, it's everywhere now in, in, in Las Vegas, and that's a great thing. And they've been great sponsors uh, for us, uh, as has uh, Realty One Group and uh, the uh, the, the and Pain Center of Las Vegas. So we appreciate all the support of all our sponsors, uh, and I know that uh, they're looking forward to a, to another great year. And all our listeners and all the supporters. Uh, that's why we do it, um, and, and that's why they're in it as well. Absolutely, especially heading into the draft, F one and Super Bowl oh, yeah. countdown here in Vegas. Vinny, have a good week, and talk to you next week. All right, you too, JT. Thank you. You got it, Vinny Bonsignor. Always a good conversation on what to do there. I like what Vinny said about the draft dropping and all of a sudden the Raiders are sitting there at number seven and maybe there's a defensive player better than a corner because he was a higher pick player, but he dropped down to seven. That's a very astute point that he's making and that that jumped out at me. For those who think the Raiders are going to trade up to get a quarterback, that means they have to give someone up, give another draft pick up, a high draft pick to go get a quarterback who's not going to play. I'm not a big fan of that, but if Dave wants to do that, he'll have a reason behind it. But as we look at the draft and how it could play out in front of us, what happens if one of those elite defenders are still on the board because the quarterbacks are going big and everybody's trading for the quarterback and you're looking to reset the draft and all of a sudden you think you're going to get a corner, but you feel pretty good about taking a better player than a corner. I mean, that's important. And that could happen here because that's what happens when you're at number seven. When you're at number seven, anything can happen early. Someone can jump you and get in front of you and get the player you want. And if Will Anderson Jr., I got Daniel Jeremiah's analysis of the top players. He's got Will Anderson Jr., the edge rusher out of Alabama, the second best player in this draft. 
Well, what happens if Vinny says he's available at seven and he's probably the second best player out there? And maybe the player who's just as good as him got some problems in the past. The guy was in the building today. The guy was in the building today. Tyreek Wilson, Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher from Texas Tech. Jalen Carter, Georgia's defensive tackle, could be gone by number five. And that could lead us to Will Anderson being available. I would think Will Anderson's going to be gone early. And then at number five, I'm starting to see Jalen Carter. I think the corners are going to be able to go back to back. You're going to be able to get Devon Weatherspoon at number six or Christian Gonzalez at number six or number seven. So I'm not looking that bad. I'm good with these guys. I'm good with these guys weeks in advance. I'm fine with them because I think they've, it fits the need of the Raiders. And the Raiders have defensive needs that are glaring. And they shouldn't be glaring if some of these draft picks of the past couple of years were getting new contracts. Damon Arnett, Cleland Farrell. You start looking around the league saying, man, how'd the Raiders get these guys? Well, one was from Ohio State. In Damon Arnett, the other guy, Cleve Farrell, was a defensive captain for the national champs. At Clemson, hell of a player. But I think he should have been taken 20th or 25th or 28th, not number four. And the same thing with Arnett. The Raiders reached for Arnett in the first round because they didn't have a second-round pick where they wanted to get a corner. It was the classic example of Mayock, who I think is a pretty good evaluator throughout his life and career. He didn't have a great draft with the Raiders, okay. But they said, we got to get a corner, and we got to reach for a corner. And that's the lesson that Dave Ziegler knows I think he knew that before he came here. Don't reach. Wait for the best available player. And there's going to be many of them at seven. And when you get to the 30s or the 60s or 70, best available player there, that's why these guys get paid and make the big decisions. They know who are going to be the best available player at 80 because they've been scouting the whole bleeping year. They've been on airplanes. They've been breaking down film. They better know. And I think these guys know. I think it's going to be a tremendous upgrade coming into this draft we'll wrap up the show if you want to get through 702-365-9200 on the flagship of the Raiders now here's the 2-2 and the pitch is lined deep to left center field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Another Judgian blast. He hit the ball just where the bullpen began at 376. Oh, that's John Sterling. How cool is that? Yankees, only if you're a Yankee fan, Yankees won in the ninth in Cleveland again and took the series. They've started off with four series in a row. There's a lot of baseball to get to, thanks to Jim Gemma, who joined us from the Las Vegas Aviators as we're trying to get you out to the ballpark for a number of reasons. Just a great place to be. Also, Vinny Bonsignor, Eric Edholm. Uh, We're going to have a Golden Knights guest tomorrow. I'm hoping one of the broadcasters up in Seattle. It's the last game of the year, and they have to win. they got to get a point coming out of that, so that's going to be a really big deal. I have two more pieces of content that I want to tell you about that I'm pretty proud of. I did a podcast yesterday with my buddy Brady Cannon on golf. And he has a really good podcast, a heat stroke podcast. It's about golfing in the heat. And Brady's been a longtime friend of mine. We go back 25 years, our family's vacation together. He's one of my best friends. And he asked me to come on his golf podcast. And we did a look back at the history of Las Vegas Country Club, which has got an unbelievable history in regards to Dean Martin, Elvis, Frank Sinatra, all the history out there. They filmed the movie Casino and the FBI plane that ran out of gas and landed on the golf course. They have a replica out there. It's a really cool podcast, and we really went on a deep dive. 
And then we handicapped the golf event this weekend. He did it from a gambling perspective. So I like that. That's up. I tweeted it out. And then I did a motivational podcast with a friend by the name of Mike Diamond. Uh, Mike Diamond's book, A Dose of Positivity. And it's at my podcast site, JT and Looney, or wherever you download your podcast. And Mike's a motivational speaker. He's an author. He's a reality star. He's an interventionist. He's a guy that goes to celebrities' homes and gets celebrities, I'm talking A-list celebrities, sober. And we went through his motivational life. He's a fitness guru, and he's got a lot of plans on that can, that can help your life. So maybe you got a friend or two or one friend who needs help. They need a dose of positivity. It was about an hour conversation with the guy who was best friends with Scott Weiland. Uh, Mike Diamond was, uh, in the past, a, a, a drug addict. And an alcoholic, and he's been sober 17 years. And his path and how unique he is is very special to me. So it's the type of podcast I want to do more of is have long conversations with people that can make a difference. So that's where you can get my podcast, wherever you get your podcast, JT and Looney. And a good conversation with the guy. I met Mike Diamond out here in Vegas when he was the doorman at the Ghost Bar at the Palms. Legend. He was a legendary doorman in New York City, too. And then he opened up another bar out here before he ended up getting into fitness having a wife and a baby and now he's written a bunch of books and he's highly motivated and i spent two days with him i went to his book signing and interviewed him in studio for this podcast and i really like that part of him just his spirit and telling you what to do get up an hour earlier each day get out of your bed your bed is too comfortable stop being comfortable you're done sleeping get out of your bed start the day with exercise he he fasts he's in unbelievable shape and he has all these do's and don'ts that I think you'd really like. So A Dose of Positivity by Mike Diamond. Catch that podcast out. And I think it'll have an effect on you. So, some part of it will. And motivate you to do better things. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. We'll do it again tomorrow. Oh, I got an extra radio show I picked up today. I'll be on from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. I get a two-hour break. And I'm on Mad Dog Sports Radio from 4 to 6 p.m. If that fits your listening needs. Q is on deck. He does a great show as always. And we'll catch you back here tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody.